Hello, and welcome back to Shockingly Wicked, a true crime podcast where we bring you true crime cases from the headlines to the hometowns. I'm Brianna. I'm Brittany. And we are your hosts for the evening. Happy spooky season. Finally, it's fall. The weather's nice. And by nice, I mean it's like that mid-range of like 60s, sometimes 50s. I can accept 50s. Sweater in the morning, heat stroke yes. in the afternoon. That's assuming you leave the house, which I usually don't. So it's fine with me. <laughs> but it means I can break out my jacket collection because I have many jackets. I don't know why, but I just love collecting jackets and boots. So I have way too many of them. If you look in my closet, it's like half boots and I don't go anywhere. So obviously I'm not wearing them. It's a struggle. I'm sorry. I have a problem. I have a boot problem. That's not a bad problem to have. Well, instead of the episode that I was planning to do today, we are going to jump right into our spooky season episode series, which is going to be haunted locations. So we're going to do different types of locations for the next couple of weeks. And then we're going to go back to our regularly scheduled programming. It's because I'm back on my ghost adventures bullshit. <laughs> yes, she is. I told her that Zach Baggins was back because they were making a big deal about it during the advertising for this newest season. And I was like, I figured you would want to know that. <laughs> I just rewatched it. I've been rewatching it all. That's my shit. That's Brit's thing currently. I've also been watching a lot of stuff on the Travel Channel because it's a lot of like hauntings and like ghost stuff. So we're just in that mindset. Wait. Before we start, what if we did a vlog, you guys? <laughs> oh, yes, you did bring that up to me. What if, on the off chance that we have the financial means to do this, <laughs> if we were, <laughs> if we decided to go to haunted locations <laughs> and do a vlog about it, would that be something you guys are interested in? Because it could be some quality entertainment. <laughs> Even if you weren't. I'm hilarious. <laughs> yeah, she's hilarious. I'm probably going to show that, like, even though I'm a Leo, I am very much a scaredy cat instead of, like, courageous. So, I mean, that's that's where we're at. I feel like you would end up being a scaredy cat and I would end up being a scaredy cat. But I feel like you would be like, let's get the fuck out of here. And I'd be like, wait, let me talk shit to the ghost real quick. Yes, absolutely. That's exactly what would happen. Because you talk shit about everything. Everyone, everything. That's just you. That's your defense <laughs> mechanism. You're you're more fight. I'm flight. <laughs> I'm like, get the fuck out. <laughs> let's go. I'm like, these bitches go on nerves. He's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and? <laughs> yeah. So in the sense that this is still... Yes, it's haunted locations, but usually with the hauntings, there comes a story as to why these people or these places are being haunted, correct? So we're going to talk a little bit about these haunted locations and some of the stories of the people that you can find at these haunted locations. And we're starting out, you probably saw from the title, with haunted hotels. So if you're in the business of ghost hunting or you just want to scare yourself for some unknown reason, you can go to any of these locations. I'm pretty sure all of them are still open. And stay there for a night and just do what you do if anything i feel like these episodes are gonna be a good time away from the horrible murder yes it's a good palate cleanser and then we'll have a couple more weeks of murder before thanksgiving when we celebrate the murder of the indigenous population of the united states of america so 
I mean, <laughs> that really just kind of rounds it out right there. So. <laughs> that was actually a good transition. I know. I'm proud of that one. So without further ado, let's dive in. Britt, take it away. Okay. So if you've seen Ghost Adventures, you know about the Stanley Hotel. I want to go there <laughs> personally. That's just me. Speak for yourself. So anyways, today the Stanley Hotel is a large Stanley Lodge that overlooks the mountain town of Estes Park. But before the hotel and town were established, Estes Valley was an idyllic landscape complete with mountain streams and meadows that the UT and the Arapaho tribes called home, according to the hotel's website. Interesting. It's Arapaho. Arapaho. I feel like a lot of land belonged to some tribe. It's just me. Yes. We did steal it. We stole it. (laughs) The, The Europeans colonized it, so... Yeah, pretty much everywhere is is tribal land. (laughs) Some tell this part of the hotel's origin story differently and claim that Stanley was so ill that he was convinced he died from consumption and was intent on doing it in a beautiful place. But after just one summer, his health was indeed restored and he credited it to fresh air and abundant sunshine. Which is probably actually true because in this time period, Places were gross. I think it's a mix of that and also the materials that they were using when they built these buildings. Like, you know, buildings in certain time frames, they have like lead paint, they have asbestos, you know, it's like, so yeah, you probably did contribute to your health (laughs) because you were away from the disgusting stuff of wherever you were currently living. Also, everybody had tuberculosis. Everybody had it. Just sprinkle it on. Or consumption. Either way. You're right. Alongside his wife, Flora, Stanley made plans to build a large hotel in Estes Valley that would feature the grandeur and the Edwardian opulence of the East Coast establishments, but in a rustic Western setting. When the hotel the hotel when the hotel opened in nineteen oh nine, guests marveled at the structure in front of them and it was surrounded by wilderness but somehow managed to find electricity telephones modern bathrooms and maids and cookie staff in professional uniform but by the 1970s the hotel had fallen into grave despair due to years of neglect and lack of investment and had become a shell of its former self the stanley's easily the stanley easily could have demolished it and had had it not been for Stephen King. Stephen King. Good old Stephen King. So, if you don't know, The Shining is actually based off of this hotel. You're welcome. Yes, I, I have heard. But in the 1970s, author Stephen King was working on The Stand and living in Boulder, Colorado. One weekend, he and his wife, Tabitha, traveled an hour to North Estes Park for a weekend away from their children. It was their last. It was the last day of the season. Oh, wait. This is a quote from Stephen. Quote, it was their last day of the season. Everybody was leaving and nobody was coming in. And we said, hey, can we check in? In quote, Stephen King. But he regrets that now. I don't know. He got rich. True. Okay. There is that side. (laughs) (laughs) In a lucid nightmare, the author dreamed of a fire horse coming to life and chasing his screaming son as he ran down the halls of the hotel. A fire hose? Horse. A horse. What is a fire horse? Like just a horse made of flames? Like, okay. Yes, that would be terrifying. Yes, it absolutely would be. 
After waking in a panic, King lit a cigarette and stared out the window. By the time he had finished the cigarette and gone back to bed, the rough outline of The Shining was fully formed in his mind. The Stanley's connection to King and the terrifying night that inspired The Shinings are the hotel's most famous and influential creepy occurrence. But there is other creepy occurrences, especially in room 217. After the valley experienced a flood, the two-year-old hotel's power went out for the first time. Freeland Stan- Stanley, the owner, took it upon himself to install a gas lantern in each room to provide guests with lights in case like that was to happen again, and a leak caused a buildup of gas to form in room 217. That's never good. On June 25, 1911, the head chambermaid, Elizabeth Wilson, entered the room with a lit candle and then set off a massive explosion. R.I.P. Wilson miraculously survived and was launched from the room's entrance. Never mind, not R.I.P. To the dining hall located on the first floor. After waking up in a coma, from a coma, Wilson returned to work in 1913 and remained employed by the hotel until 1950. She must have loved her job. Can't relate. <laughs> but her spirit is said to still inhabit room 217. But people say she's more helpful than scary. That's good. Guests have shared stories of waking up to a room with that was tidier than the night before with their clothes folded and suitcases organized. But I'm just telling you, if I woke up and a ghost cleaned my room, I would be so thankful. I'd be like, come on, ghost. You want to come home? <laughs> Clean my house? <laughs> I'd be like, come on. Let's go. That could very easily end poorly for you. Just don't invite ghosts home. I know I could accidentally invite a demon to my house and I would be really sad about it. I used to, so I watched, okay, this is off topic, but I watched Ghost Adventures at like a really young age, like 10. I don't know if I was supposed to be watching that show at 10, but I had an un- unmonetized TV privileges. <laughs> and I was so scared my house was haunted. I was so like nervous about going to school and then like accidentally inviting a demon to come home. Like that was the terror that followed me around as a 10 year old. So you were worried about bringing a demon home from school? <laughs> yeah, I was like, this happens. I was like watching Ghost Adventures all the time because that came on every Thursday on the Travel Channel. And I was like, just terrified that I would leave the house and I would actually invite a demon home with me. And then we'd have to sage the house and hire a priest and it'd be a whole thing. I don't know why that's hilarious to me, but it is. <laughs> I still think about that to this day. I'm like, wow. I think I just grew out of it because now I just go places and don't think about it. But like, I did get a Ouija board for my birthday, like when I was 12. Why? Who did this? My aunt. <laughs> because I would go to her house because, no, I didn't. I couldn't figure out how to use it. Good. Don't fucking use it. <laughs> I would go to her house because she told me it was haunted. And I would take my little cell phone and I would record and it would just be fucking the wind I was talking to. But I'd be like, I'm having a seance at 3 a.m. <laughs> Hit me up. <laughs> That's a really annoying child. <laughs> but anyways, back to Miss Wilson. <laughs> Guests have shared stories of waking up to a room that was tidier than the night before. Oh, wait, I already talked about that. One couple told a staff member at the Stanley that their bed was made around them during the night with them inside of it sleeping. I think that's so funny. She was just she was just swaddling him <laughs> like little babies. <laughs> she was sucking him in. <laughs> However, she was really old tiny and if you slept there and you were unmarried, she would sleep in between you because couples would settle and like go to sleep and there would be a chilly feeling. Oh no. 
in between them. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> Hope a gay couple never went. That'd be terrible. Yeah. Oh, I can't even imagine what she'd do there. That would be so bad. She'd just kick him out. Okay, so anyways. Stanley died in 1940 at the age of 91. But like Miss Wilson, was many believe his presence can still be seen and felt at the hotel. Mainly at the bar and the billiard room. The phantom of his wife, Flora... Like to play the piano so people see her around the piano all the time. But the Stanley Hotel has a pet cemetery. (laughs) There are two beloved pets that have been buried there. Well, many of the owner's pets have been buried there, but two can be seen. One is Cassie the Golden Retriever, and one is Kamenachi the Fluffy White Cat. They've been seen and heard all around property. I think it's Comanche. Comanche! Whatever. It's Kamenachi, Comanche tomato tomato (laughs) sure (laughs) potato potato in room 428 some have seen the vision of a cowboy looming over the bed as they slept or standing in the there aren't any rooms above this room yet over the years that there have been multiple reports of strange sounds like furniture being moved and footsteps on the ceiling which Mm -mm. if you like want to go stay the night and you want to stay in a haunted room you can just book a spirit package like a spirited room and then you'll get a mug that has ghost adventures on it <laughs> wild that's wild to me you will it's a package it's called the ghost adventures package <laughs> well you gotta market you gotta market it somehow right so all right well that's hotel number one and that's the stanley hotel. and now we're gonna go all the way to baltimore maryland and the Lord Baltimore Hotel. And I would just like to state for the record, I stayed at this hotel a couple of years ago, and I did not know it was haunted. <laughs> so I didn't experience anything, but somebody that we knew who was also staying there at that same time said that they felt some like they felt off when they were there. So we just thought that maybe they were like high or they drank too much. <laughs> Cause we none of us knew that this hotel was apparently you haunted. There? Yes. I did not know it was haunted. (laughs) We were there for a concert that was happening in Baltimore. It was an all-time low concert because they were from the Baltimore area. So it was a hometown show. It was a big thing. I'm at an all-time low. uh, 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 uh. (laughs) That's not, no. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So we, we got a really good deal on the room. And the hotel itself is really nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's not all-time low. John That's John... Yeah, his the song is called All Time Low, I think, but that's not, yeah, <laughs> it's not even remotely close. To My the bad, band. guys. I got confused. My bad. <laughs> so we're going to start with a little bit of history. The hotel, L- the Lord Baltimore Hotel, opened its doors on December 30th, 1928 in downtown Baltimore. It is a 23-story high building, so it's about 289 feet tall, and it housed, at the time, a total of 700 rooms. And at the time, it was also the tallest building in all of the state of Maryland. So it was pretty big. I would also like to mention that the main reason for that, especially for it being the tallest building in Baltimore at that time, is because of the Great Baltimore Fire that happened in like 1905, I think it was. And so, like, a lot of buildings burned down. (laughs) So, like, there wasn't a whole lot of competition, but it is what it is. So, the hotel was named in honor of the founder of the Colony of Maryland, George Calvert, Lord Baltimore. So, that's who it was named after. And it was originally owned by Harry Busick, 
who was an accomplished local hotelier from Calvert County. And I'm just going to say Calvert County represent. That's where I grew up. <laughs> I was an Air Force kid, so I was born elsewhere, but I spent 10 years in Calvert County. I spent East Coast. my formative years, fourth grade until after I graduated high school was Calvert County it is a very rural area. So there's literally nothing there. So don't ever go there unless you like want to go to one of the surrounding counties where there's actually stuff to do. But <laughs> I mean, I guess Chesapeake Beach is there. But as somebody who lived in Calvert County, I would never want to actually swim in Chesapeake Beach or Chesapeake Bay for that matter. So Harry Busick actually died soon after the hotel opened. That, if you remember, guys, is where the suitcases were found in the suitcase murder. Oh, you right. You right. So Harry Busick actually died soon after the hotel opened. So his three sons owned and operated it after his passing. But the Lord Baltimore Hotel wasn't the first hotel that was actually built on that site. So there was the seven-story hotel called the Caswell House, which was also run by Harry Busick. And that one had operated on that same plot of land for several years, but that one burned down during the Great Baltimore Fire of 1904. So it was 1904, my bad, not 1905. And then I also saw some mentions of a 250-room hotel called the Hotel Caswell. I don't know if that was supposed to be the Caswell House or if it was like something different because it said that this was operated from 1905 until it was torn down the year prior to the opening of the Lord Baltimore. So there have been other things that have been there. So by the late 1920s, after the original Caswell house burned down, he was trying to get enough money to be able to actually build a new hotel because he wanted to expand it. So he was able to get enough money by the late 1920s, and he hired the renowned architect William Lee Stoddart to design it. And historically, in 1958, the Lord Baltimore Hotel also voluntarily lifted any restrictions on who could stay there because the city council failed to pass any sort of like prohibition on segregation. So that's a pretty big event. So... That's another reason why it's famous. It was added to the National Register of Historic Places in 1982, and it was renovated and reopened under new management on December 30th, 1985. And in the renovation process, it went from 700 rooms down to 440 rooms. And I think that's because they took some rooms and made them into like suites. So as you can imagine, whenever there's some sort of renovation on a very like old building, it's going to stir up some ghosties. It's going to make some things happen. So because it opened in 1928, this was a f shortly before the Black Thursday, which was the stock market crash that happened that led to the Great Depression. <laughs> so that Black Thursday was October 24th, 1929, so less than a year after the opening of the hotel. And as I mentioned, this hotel specifically was the tallest one in Baltimore. But we'll get to that in just a second. So for those of you who don't understand how the stock market works, I don't totally understand it. So don't ask me questions, but just consider it in these terms. Basically, all of these investors had lost all of their money, their jobs and their economic security in one fell swoop. Like this was a big deal, obviously, because it led into the Great Depression. So we went from the roaring 20s to yeah. literally widespread poverty. So 
as a result, the suicide rate all across the U.S. went up. So, again, tallest building in the city at the time. So there are documented, there are at least 20 documented cases of people who threw themselves off the rooftop deck on the 19th floor of the hotel. So all that to say, the 19th floor is apparently a hotbed of paranormal activity. (laughs) So if you ever go to stay at the Lord Baltimore and you decide to stay on the 19th floor, good luck, Charlie. One of the primary spirits that is seen at the Lord Baltimore is that of little Molly. She was seven years old at the time of her death. That's terrible. Yes, agreed. So the story goes, it kind of varies, so like take it with a grain of salt, but she and her parents either attended an event there at some time during the Great Depression, or they stayed at the hotel around that time. And most accounts say that Molly's parents jumped from the building's rooftop and they took her with them in a murder-suicide to prevent her from having to live a life of despair. That's terrible. Yes. I get it, but it's also still terrible because it's a child, you know, like... Anyway, there are reports of a young girl who's usually seen on the 19th floor of the hotel, and she wears a long cream dress with black shoes, and she's usually seen playing with a red ball. She likes to chase staff members and guests to the point that two of the employees have resigned because of it. (laughs) People have also reported hearing her voice and the sound of a crying young girl throughout the hotel, and people think that it's Molly looking for her parents. I also saw in a couple places that she can sometimes be found in the ballroom and that there are also ghosts of a young couple who are in there dancing. So it's presumably her parents. So I don't know. I've only seen that in a couple places. But the hotel supervisor, Frank Carter, uh, has reported seeing Molly himself as well as two other adult ghosts. And then on like the last little bit about Molly is that there is said to be a handprint of a small child on a wall in one of the penthouses that won't go away. And that's terrifying to me. I would not want to stay there. (laughs) So other sightings of paranormal activity in the area include, it said that the elevators make repeated trips up to the 19th floor at night, even though no one's calling for the elevator. So when the doors open, no one is in there. Um, People have also reported being touched by unseen hands in the elevator and the lobby. Staff have received multiple complaints from guests about someone, usually a woman, standing at the foot of their bed. I would leave immediately. (laughs) Like, all right, I'm going. Uh, This is your room now. I'm done. (laughs) There's also apparently a prankster ghost who likes to hide the TV remote or turns the TV on and off. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's what I would be as a ghost. I would be the one who's like turning things on and off on people. I would. Yeah, no, I probably would fuck with people if I was a ghost. I could see that. Yeah. And then I have two quotes here from the hotel manager, Gene Addis. He said, we quote, we live with it. I have housekeepers who will not go into the guest rooms. I have two that quit because they were so tired of being chased by Molly unquote. And then (laughs) another quote, because somebody asked kind of like what to expect when going to stay at the hotel. (laughs) And this just made me laugh. He said, quote, think of them as amenities, unquote, when talking about the ghosts. (laughs) And Historic Hotels of America added the hotel to the top 25 hotels in 2019. And it apparently also participated in something called National Ghost Hunt Day, which was this year on September 24th, 2022. I'm a little bit sad that I missed it, but also not because I would have probably collapsed in. Yeah. So that's the Lord Baltimore 
you could poop to your pants. Yes, just a little bit. So that's the Lord Baltimore Hotel. And yeah, like I said, I stayed there. I didn't experience anything personally, but I also didn't know it was haunted. So I didn't know to like pay attention <laughs> to anything. So who knows? Maybe I walked right past Molly. Fair. I'm glad that I didn't notice anything, though, because if I did, I would have like pooped my pants, like you said. <laughs> All right, your turn again. Okay, now we're going to Canada. I know, I know. We won't keep you sitting on the edge of your seat too long. We will get right back to that after a quick word about our sponsors. We're super excited to share our newest collaboration with you all. Violet and Suds is a neurodivergent and LGBTQ-owned small business that started in October of 2012. They create all kinds of products with various themes from bath and soap products, candles, stickers and stationery, and jewelry and accessories. All products are carefully handcrafted and recipes are hypoallergenic, vegan, cruelty-free, and all-natural. 10% of their monthly profit is donated to the Tiny Paws Kitten Shelter, so you can look forward to your self-care routine and know your money is going to a good cause. You can use our exclusive code WICKED20 to get a discount of 20% off your whole order. Again, that code is WICKED2020. So head on over to violetandsuds.com and use that code at checkout. We'll see you there. I know, I know. We won't keep you sitting on the edge of your seat too long. We will get right back to that after a quick word about our sponsors. We're super excited to share our newest collaboration with you all. Violet and Suds is a neurodivergent and LGBTQ-owned small business that started in October of 2012. They create all kinds of products with various themes from bath and soap products, candles, stickers and stationery, and jewelry and accessories. All products are carefully handcrafted and recipes are hypoallergenic, vegan, cruelty-free, and all-natural. 10% of their monthly profit is donated to the Tiny Paws Kitten Shelter, so you can look forward to your self-care routine and know your money is going to a good cause. You can use our exclusive code WICKED20 to get a discount of 20% off your whole order. Again, that code is WICKED20. So head on over to violetandsuds.com and use that code at checkout. We'll see you there. Okay. Located in the heart of Banff National Park, a UNESCO World Heritage Site, the world-famous Banff Springs Hotel stands as a landmark in the picturesque alpine town of Banff, Alberta. Fairmont Banff Springs offers all amenities of, world, of a world-class resort with 745 guest rooms and suites appointed by Banff Accommodations and Attentive Personalized Service. Since it's open to the public in 1888, the Banff Springs Hotels has seen history, celebrities, and rebuilds, but it's also seen tragedy. Millions of guests have checked in, but few have never checked out. Some even believe that they still roam the halls of the, the iconic concrete castle in the Rockies. So it was when it was built, it was originally a wooden structure, um, and it was created out of necessity when the Canadian Pacific Ra Railway stretched, the, stretched westward and a high-class hotel was needed for people traveling along the route. The vice president of the CPR, William Von Horn, saw the hotel as a stop-off point and a world-class travel destination, which if you look it up, it's gorgeous. 
A major fire in 1926 completely devastated the building and complete reconstruction was carried out. The new construction was loosely based on a Scottish castle with towers and stone walls. All right. In 132 years, the popular Alberta vacation spot has allegedly set the scene for horrific murders, suicides, and terrible accidents. Rooms have been boarded up, and the paranormal are frequently recorded. The Bride of the Banff Springs is perhaps the most active shadow of the hotel, even appearing on a collector's stamp and coin. The most popular theory dating back to 1920, the story goes that the young couple's wedding day, the bride decked out in her wedding gown, descended one of the hotel's marble staircases. Either something startled her, causing her to slip and fall, but others say that she caught her heel in the hem of her dress, while another story is her dress brushed up against a candle's flame. Whatever the cause, the result is she died on those steps. Oh, no. Since then, hotel and guests alike have reported seeing a veiled figure moving up and down the stairs or seeing a figure in wedding dress in a wedding dress dancing in the ballroom upstairs pinning for the first dance with her husband that she never had, which I think is like low key the scariest just to see somebody like in a fucking wedding gown. Yeah. Crazy girl. Also it's pining. Another unexplained apparition and heavily active has been recorded in room 873. However, the room does not exist anymore. Oh, good. The hotel permanently sealed the room up. (laughs) Hotel claims... The hotel claims that no such crime ever took place, but the room is believed to be the place where a man killed his wife and daughter before taking his own life. After the investigation, management at the Banff Spring Hotels refurbished the room and put it back in service, but it seemed... The mother and young one never really moved on. Guests in room 873 were greeted with violent screams in the middle of the night. Oh, no. It's not funny. It's just, imagine just like waking up to like a blood curdling scream. I'd be like, excuse me, I need to check out. (laughs) I'd literally pee myself. (laughs) The startled guest would then turn on the light to find a bloody handprint on the wall that would reappear after housekeeping wiped them off. No, thank you. Another specter, much less sinister than the others, is Sam the Bellman. Said to be a helpful, cheery spirit, Sam is often mistaken for a live employee. The stories of Sam McCulty, old Scotsman who was the head bellman during the 60s and 70s, have been circulating around the hotel since his passing in 1975. One incident involved two elderly women calling the bell desk for assistance after they found their key would not work. The regular bellman was occupied with other duties and didn't respond for 15 minutes, but by the time he arrived at the door, it was unlocked. One of the women said an older bellman in a plaid jacket matching Sam's description exactly had stopped and helped them, which is so nice. I'd be like, thank you, Sam. I appreciate that. You deserve gold stars. (laughs) Other stories, including guests seeing Sam haunting his old office, which is now a, a room, on the mezzanine floor, mezzanine, as well as seeing apparitions and feeling cold spot on the s- mezzanine, and as well as seeing apparitions and feeling cold spots on the sixth, seventh, or ninth floor of the hotel. Another story is in September 1936, Doris and Victor Gravelin were reported missing. Thirty-year-old Doris's body had later been found near the seventh hole on the seaside golf course because there's a golf course at the hotel was found up there. Mm -hmm. Her husband suspected of murdering Doris wasn't seen again until a month later when his body was found in the water near the course in his pocket were Doris's shoes, which had been reported missing when they discovered her corpse and the case was enclosed because he was dead. Yeah. There have also been reports over the years of a bell ringing near the sixth green in the middle of the night. That's not great. 
Personally, I would never stay there. That's That place sounds terrifying. I would. Because it's modeled after a castle, and those already feel haunted. Like, even if they're not, they always, like, feel like they would be haunted just because of the nature of a castle. And then you have all this shit, like, especially with the bloody handprint and screams in the middle of the night. No, thank you. <laughs> We've got two more to go, and then we'll set you free. But... I hope you're finding this as interesting as we do. So we're going to go to Savannah, Georgia. If you've never been to Savannah, just know that it's like one of the most haunted places in the fucking United States. It's gorgeous, but it's haunted as shit. So specifically, we're going to talk about the Marshall House in Savannah, Georgia. So a little backstory is that during the railroad boom in the 1840s and 1850s, the city itself doubled in size and population. And so Miss Mary Marshall the very smart businesswoman was like, people need somewhere to stay. They need somewhere to live. So she basically developed several properties around the city. And the most notable of them was the Marshall House because it was in the premier shopping district of the time. And that was opened in 1851. So it was one of the first hotels in the area. I think there was one hotel... Like the very first one was open like 30 years prior. So it was one of the first. It is now in the historic district. So not in the premier shopping district of Savannah. But the building is four stories. It has 65 guest rooms and three suites. Many of the guest rooms have balconies that oversee Broughton Street, which is the street that it actually is on. And it's also just a few blocks away from Savannah River. So the hotel was closed in 1957 because of structural reasons. Apparently, they couldn't pass the fire codes. <laughs> I don't know like what specifically, oh, no. but I guess like it was old by then. It was it was ob- over 100 years old. So I'm sure that whatever building materials they had used when they made it, it was not up to code anymore. <laughs> so they had to close it then. God. The main floor itself was still used by like shopkeepers until 1998, but the top three floors were basically abandoned. And then the hotel was renovated and reopened in 1999, and it still features a lot of the original stuff, like the original floors, the doors, fireplaces, brick walls. Some of the original features of the staircase, I think they said they had to recreate some of like the spindles and stuff on the stairs, but otherwise it's all it's all the same. So there are also many clawfoot tubs that date back to 1880. So if that's your thing, I know a lot of people like clawfoot tubs, but clawfoot tubs scare me. I like the way they look. I don't like using them. (laughs) Like, I always feel like I'm going to trip over the edge when I'm getting in and out of one. And like, I'm going to fall, hit my head on the sink and die. And I don't want that to be the way that I go. So... As I said, Savannah is just a really, really haunted city. So if you ever go to Savannah, there are plenty of ghost tours basically all year. I'm going to have to go with you. I love Savannah. I love it so much. My friend, she went to college at Savannah College of Art and Design. I almost did. It's a whole story. Anyway, so I would go down and visit her a couple times. And like the city itself is just gorgeous. There's like you know, like Spanish moss and weeping willows pretty much everywhere. If I could live anywhere, it would be probably Savannah, Georgia, minus all the haunted shit. (laughs) So the Marshall House itself is over 165 years old. And so obviously there's bound to be some spooky history there. So one of the things, so there's no like specific people that they have mentioned 
as I was doing research, like there are various things that have happened. That's a lie. There is one specific person. We'll go, we'll talk about them a little bit later. But the Marshall House was occupied by Union troops led by General William Sherman in 1864 and 1865. The building was actually being used as a hospital for Union troops during the last couple months of the Civil War. It was also used during two yellow fever epidemics in the mid-1800s. So, as you can imagine, a lot of people who entered that building did not come out. (laughs) So, when the hotel was being renovated in the 1990s, workers were replacing some of the damaged floorboards in the downstairs area when they uncovered human remains. They didn't specify, like, what it was, but they found bones, obviously. I don't know if they found, like, a whole skeleton or if it was just, like, miscellaneous bones. So... The area they found out had been the hospital's surgery room. I just want to find miscellaneous bones. No, you don't. (laughs) No, you don't. I would just give them to the police to investigate, but I just feel like that would make my day so much more interesting. You have strange desires. So this area of the hotel had been used as like the surgery room during the war, which led historians to believe that these were like amputated limbs from the Union soldiers. Which, that's not, it's not great. That's terrible. Yeah. Like, just imagine people having to get their legs amputated without anesthetic. No thanks. With a saw. A rusted saw. Another thing that happened during the renovations was that they started to smell what they said were mysterious smells. Obviously, they were bad smells. So one of the examples they gave was that it smelled like burning flesh. So that's terrible. I hate that. They reported that these smells are coming from the bathrooms. Guests apparently still report smelling foul things every now and then. And I'm like, are you sure that some like the pipes aren't just clogged or something? But, you know, that's just me. Ew, that happens all the time, like at places. Yeah, that's not surprising. People don't take care of public of public plumbing systems. So one of the workers who was doing that those renovations said that the smell was so bad that it actually delayed their renovation progress for multiple days. And it was, the smell didn't dissipate until gospel music started playing nearby. I don't know how much I believe that, but, you know, just throwing that out there. So guests have reported seeing ghosts in the hallways and in the foyers. And they've also reported hearing children playing in the hallways at night again. Ghost children? No, thank you. You can you can stay over oh, far away from me. Just stay over there. So they hear like the sound of kids playing with marbles and rubber balls and kids running up and down and skipping down the hallways. They've also mentioned that toilets have overflowed on their own, which leads back to like, are you sure the pipes just aren't clogged? And then <laughs> faucets turning on and off by themselves. They also say that loud noises can be heard in the fourth floor hallway during early morning hours, like heavy objects crashing to the ground or something along those lines. They've said that they've had doorknobs to their rooms jiggled as if someone was trying to open the door. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> Do not disturb, Mr. Ghosty. One guest specifically mentioned seeing the ghost of Mary Marshall in the hotel to her father, because there's a portrait of Mary Marshall that's hanging up in the Marshall house and the young girl saw the portrait and she's like, that's the lady I saw in the hallway. (laughs) And I was like, Oh no. Oh no. That's terrifying. I hate when kids are around something haunted because they always be telling about the ghosts because the ghosts only make themselves appear in front of the kids. 
Yeah, they say that like kids and animals are more in tune with the spirit world. <laughs> and so like there have been instances where I'm watching I feel like I would be in tune with it. Probably. But there have been instances where I've been like watching a dog and they just like stand and stare in the corner and then start growling and I'm like, please don't do that. <laughs> please don't do that. That makes me think of that song. Um stop and stare. <laughs> Stop right now. Thank you very much. Guests have also heard the sound of an old-fashioned typewriter in the room of one of the former long-term guests, author Joel Chandler Harris. So there's that too. But those are the only two that have like specific names. Everything else is just kind of like ambiguous. Some other sightings include a lady in white flowing through the halls, a dapper gentleman reading a book by a window, and a ghostly woman who haunts the ladies room and will occasionally lock the stall. <laughs> so that's hilarious to me too. I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> Does she lock it while you're in there? I guess she must. I don't know. I don't know. It just said that she'll lock the stall. That's terrifying. I'd be like, Trying to pee and then the ladies lock in the stall on me? I would be terrified. <laughs> and then this is the last one, and then I'll hand it back off to you for our last one. But it's uh, there's a story about a mother and son who were staying at the Marshall house. And the boy's mother was in the bedroom. The son was in the bathroom and playing and talking to himself. And then he comes running out of the bathroom crying. And he says, the boy bit me. And she said, what boy? And she said, and then the boy says, the one who I was playing with in the bathroom. So obviously, boy's mother goes into the bathroom, but there's no boy in there. So she's like, what? She looks at his arm, and there was an actual bite mark. So, like, what? <laughs> so apparently, that's also not the first case of somebody being bitten at the Marshall House. There have been other guests who have been, and it's specifically child sized bite mark. So. Whatever this demon is, it's a child. <laughs> it's a it's a child sized demon, but it's done with such force that it leaves a bruise. So, yeah, just be careful. <laughs> That's the Marshall House, one of many haunted establishments in Savannah, Georgia. My last hotel that we're going to talk about for the night is called the Dry Skill in Austin, Texas, in the corner of Sixth Street and Brazo Street, in the heart of downtown Austin stands the historic landmark of Texas luxury and hospitality, the Driscoll. For more than a century, the iconic hotel has hosted restful nights, inspired gathering, momentous occasions, and then some. With 189 well-appointed guest rooms, three stately restaurants, and bar options, storied spaces, and matchless service, the Driscoll is ready to welcome you to be a part of Texas history. My God. That's where they should have had the freaking true crime festival. No. Is that what they're having? No, they're having it at a Marriott. <laughs> the hotel was commissioned and paid by its namesake, Jesse Driscoll. Jesse was a successful cattle baron who moved to Texas from Missouri with an eye for making money. He bought the land in 1884, and two years later, he had the grand opening. And he's also said to haunt the hotel. Of course. Just FYI. Shortly after the hotel opened, Jesse came under the pressure of financial hardships. He had no choice but to forfeit the ownership of the Driscoll almost immediately after it opened. He lost the deed to the hotel in a game of cards because he had a gambling problem. Oh. <laughs> you know what that reminds me of, though? What? Titanic, where, like, the very opening scene where Jack is playing poker with these guys and he wins the tickets to the titanic in the poker game i don't really remember a lot about the titanic because i was 12 when i watched it wow i've rewatched it multiple times i don't know 
it's weird to call it a comfort movie, but it's a comfort movie in the fact that like I know exactly what happens. So I rewatch it multiple times. I think it's because it's so long. But then my devil's advocate argument to that is I've watched Pearl Harbor multiple times. (laughs) I guess more happens in Pearl Harbor. Like there's more explosions. So maybe it just holds your attention more. Yeah, probably. I think I just get bored with the Titanic. But I also can't sit there and watch it. But that's also like Gone with the Wind. I only watched that like one time. That movie was stupidly long for no reason. I've literally never seen it. So I was like 10 or 11 when I watched it. And I could not tell you the plot line for shit. (laughs) Except the guy goes, frankly, I don't give a damn, Scarlet. And I was like, wow. (laughs) He don't give a damn. That's the only thing I know about it. He passed away about four years after the hotel was officially opened. But over the years, both staff and guests have reported the smell of cigar smoke wafting through the air and lights flickering on and off the hotel's upper floors. The lead singer for the group called Concrete Blonde wrote the song Ghost of Texas Ladies Man after her supposed encounter of the colonel while staying at the Driscoll. I think that's so funny. (laughs) In the early 1990s, this is another ghost of Sedan, a distraught bride checked into room 329 of the Driscoll. Her fiancé had just caught off their wedding, and she decided to blow over $40,000 on a shopping spree and culinary free-for-all on her second day of mourning. Which, to be honest, Miss Girl, like, I don't blame you. I would probably do the same. $40,000? Let her mourn. She's sad. That's so much money. What does she have to go home to? Just take a vacation. Don't spend it on shopping. On the third day, she lined up all of her newly bought things, pulled out a gun, and then shot herself in the head using a pillow to muffle the sound of the round. As you do. To this day, guests swear they see her <laughs> her ghost towing bags up and down the halls of the hotel. Well. But what's even crazier, there's another suicide bride that checks into the same room almost 20 or exactly 20 years to the day as the original bride. The second young bride took her life in the bathroom while on her honeymoon. Oh, so she waited until after she was married. Damn. Maybe he was a terrible guy. I mean, I'm. it's very possible. I just feel like that's a lot of money to waste to then just kill yourself. This is just reported. I don't know if it's an actual true story, but I thought it added to the, the dramatic effect. Okay, so there's another story. In 1887, just one year after the Driscoll opened its doors, the four-year-old daughter of a U.S. senator fell to her death while she tripped and tumbled down the grand staircase in the lobby while chasing a ball. Visitors have reported the sounds of giggling and a bouncy ball as evidence that this young lady haunts the hotels. Another folk story surrounding the Driscoll is that the painting found on the fifth floor of the hotel is a artwork unnamed, but it's based on a painting by Charles Garland called The Love Letter, and it's an unnerving piece brought to life by Richard King. It depicts a little girl holding a bouquet of flowers in one hand and a letter in the other. Ghost hunters claim that the painting depicts the four-year-old daughter of the U.S. Sinister, Sinister? Senator Temple Lee Houston, who died in a horrible accident at the hotel. The painting is said to be haunted, and people who stroll by it constantly feel the presence of something sinister riding the coattails until they vacate the cursed building. Just terrifying. And that is all that I have on the Driscoll. Ooh, 
So you've got plenty of options all around the country and even in Canada. There were so many places that we could have chosen, but we had to narrow it down to five to keep it within the hour time limit. So if you are interested in more spooky stuff, we will be doing an episode with our friends over at Weird Mythic here soon. We'll let you guys know as soon as what day it's going to get posted. We're going to be talking about some like local folklore. So if you're into that, go check it out. I mean, go check out their podcast in general because they're really awesome people. Thanks so much for listening. You can find us on social media at Shockingly Wicked Podcast on Instagram and on Facebook and on Patreon. You can find us at Wicked Podcast One on Twitter and we are on TikTok at Shockingly Wicked. We added an extra tier on our Patreon. So you get it's for $6 a month. So you get a little bit more than the initial $3 one. But if you can't commit to $11 a month, which totally get it, sometimes we're pinching our pennies. If you can't commit to that, you can still get a little bit extra stuff, but not pay a ton of money. So go check that out. Again, that is patreon.com slash shockingly wicked podcast. You can also find all of these links on our website at shockingly wicked or shockingly wicked podcast.com. Send us case suggestions at shockingly wicked podcast at gmail.com or you can use the contact form on our website and choose that from the drop down menu. I believe that is everything. Britt, is there anything else you wanted to add before we head on out? No. Cool. So thank you again for listening. We love you guys so much. We will see you next week. Bye. Bye.